You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. So, so good to be with you guys here today. Uh, so, good morning already, right? Pray for our students. All right, that was amazing. Thank you, Todd. Such, such an amazing thing to have a vice principal of a Easton Middle School to be a Christian in the halls uh, with the students. So we're, we're thankful for that. Um, so glad we got to share the, the Camplify uh, video with you. Video brings me uh, great joy. All right, so shout out, to, shout out to Rain from our student ministry team for putting that together. Job well done. Um, and, then, and then thank you to all the, our, our volunteers, our, our student ministry team who, who meets with our, our kids uh, weekly. And then for camps, does weird, do, they do weird things. They, they get pies in the face and dress up in funny costumes and pretend to be Bigfoot and stuff. So thank you guys. Thank you for, to our food team. We had people uh, serving us meals out there right from our church. So thank you guys very much. Thank you to our band who came and, and played for us. Thank you to uh, Pastor Sam who came out and preached for us. Um, so a lot, a lot of hands there to help us out. So we, we, we thank you all very much for that. And like, like looking, at the, um, looking at the video, it's like it, it was great. I, I loved the weekend, but it, it, always, it, it always looks a lot funner when you, when you look back on it. And it, but some of those moments, you're like, what have I gotten myself into? All right, like what am I doing with my life? One of those moments came pretty quickly, all right? We were... Uh, First night there, we had our black light party. You saw it on the, the screen. Had our black light party, and my, my wife had been there. She was helping us out with, with dinner, and we're getting ready for the black light party. And we're, we're you know, black light party. We got a fog machine, so we're just letting it crank, right? Like just fog all over the place. And I'm like, is that enough? And Lindsay's like, no, 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 no. We need more fog, and so we crank it up even more. And Mary, my wife, was like, you guys better be careful. You'll set the, the smoke alarm off, fire alarm. We're like, Mary. It's fog. It's not smoke, all right? And so we set the smoke alarm off during the black light party. And, uh, you know, we got all the teenagers and stuff going wild, black lights, dance, and all that stuff. And a fireman from the Denton Volunteer Fire Department just strolls through to check the, the alarm, all right? Probably didn't know what was wrong with us. And so then, then the, we get to the night, and, uh, you know, we had all the boys in the same cabin, which means all the guy leaders all the, the middle school boys, I don't know, there was 20-something guys in a cabin, which is, it's a recipe for disaster. We'll never do it again, all right? The, the middle school boys, despite our advice, went to bed at 5.30 in the morning, all right? Us guy leaders had our alarm set for 5. So if you do the math, we got no sleep, all right? There was zero sleep. Like, what are we doing with our lives, all right? And then, then the next day, all right, the next day, I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to do the, the slip and slide, right? Grown man doing a, a slip and slide, right? That's, sorry for middle schoolers. Anyway, if, if you've hung around me for the last two weeks after the whole slip and slide thing, all I've done is complained about how bad my rib hurts, all right? I landed on my rib. I've, I could, like, feel it the whole way down the slip and slide, just, like, dragging my rib. What? Like, what was I doing with my life? And so, and so I, I remember after the whole slip and slide thing, like all this stuff had happened, and I go back to the, the cabin, 
I get a shower, and, and literally for like five minutes, I took five minutes, I just sat on the porch in this rocking chair. We had this beautiful view of the lake there at, at Camp Todd. And I was just like, you know, like despite all of these things, like th- this is fulfilling. Right? Like, th- this is, like this is pretty cool. Like, I get paid to do this. Right? Th- this is fulfilling. And I'm like thinking like, if, if this was the 85-year-old version of Ronnie, like, you know, 50 years from now, what, what would my life have to look like? For me to be sitting in that rocking chair thinking about my life, like, this has been fulfilling. Right? Like, my life has been fulfilling. And, and imagine yourself, the 85-year-old version of yourself, sitting in that chair. What would your life have to be like? For you to be able to say, that was fulfilling. That was fulfilling. And so today in in Proverbs chapter 3, as we we finish up our summer series looking at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to see that a, a faithful life is a fulfilling life. It's a faithful life that's a fulfilling life. And so Proverbs chapter 3 is going to tell us how do we live a faithful life. It's going to give us three areas to exercise trust in God. First, his commands. Second, his control. And then finally, his care. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, starts off like this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so maybe you noticed in those verses that there's a a series of of exhortations, right? These do's and don'ts. And in fact, it's every other verse, every odd verse. There's these do's or these don'ts. Do this, don't do that. And so my, my parents, my, my parents in here, sometimes we, we may face the temptation to ask our kids to obey. Why? Because we said so, right? Son, son pick up after yourself, please. Why? Because I said so, right? And why that, that's, a, that's a logical argument, right? Like, we're the parent, we're the authority, right? In theory, they, they should obey us because we're the authority. But you and I both know there's a problem. And, and that problem is that they don't come into this, this world longing to obey their parents. They don't, they don't come, and neither did we, right? They don't come into this, this world hungry to, for somebody to tell them what to do and what not to do. All right, so while it's a logical argument, it's, it's not a convincing one. So maybe parents, in our, in our best parenting moments, we, we try another approach. We go a different route. We, we uh, take, them, take them by the shoulder, and we paint a picture for them. 
Uh, we take him by the shoulder, lead him to the, the living room. Son, imagine. Imagine a living room where you can walk to the couch and not have to worry about stubbing your toe on a, on a dump truck. Or, or, or we take him to the, the kitchen and paint the picture for them there. Son, imagine. Imagine a kitchen where, where you can walk to the fridge and not have to worry about squishing dirty, rotten banana between your toes. Right? We, we, we paint for them a picture. We get them to long for the beauty of a clean house. We get them to hunger for the beauty of obeying their parents. And here in God's Word, God, our, our, our Father, he, he gives us these commandments. He, he tells us to obey, obey these certain things. And, and he could simply use the argument, because I said to, right? He's God. He's, he's the creator of the universe. And he, and he does that throughout the Bible. But here in Proverbs 3, he, he puts his arm around us and, and he paints a picture of a life lived faithfully, a life in, lived in faith towards God. And so he gets us to hunger for the beauty of a faithful life. And the first thing we see that if you want to live a faithful life, we remember God's commands. Remember God's commands. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So God's putting his arm around our shoulders here. And, and he's, he's saying, my son, my, my daughter, don't forget my teaching. Keep, keep my commandments with your heart. Why? Because I said so? No. He paints a picture for us of the, of the beauty that comes from keeping his commands. He says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. If you remember my commands, if you remember my teaching, if you do my commands, generally speaking, you will live a long life. That's what length of days means. If you keep my commands, generally speaking, you will live an abundant life. That's what years of life means. So it's not that you've got quantity and you've got quality, right? It's not just many years of a life that just beats you down. It's a, a long, abundant life, a peaceful life. And so maybe you're here and you're tired of anxiety, constant anxiety, constant worry, and you just long for peace. You're searching for peace. And so maybe you're here and you're tired of jumping from one thing to the next, searching for contentment. Or maybe you're here and you feel empty. You feel like something's missing from your life, but not just missing from your life, but you feel like something's missing from you. And you're searching for completeness. And so maybe you've tried, you've searched for that in relationships, right? If I just get in with this crowd, then. If I just, if I just get a girlfriend, if I just get a boyfriend, if I just get married, then. <sighs> Contentment. Right? Or maybe you've searched for it at, at, at work. Right? Once I get past this next project, or, or once I bring in this much revenue or this many clients, once, once my name, once my picture makes it in, in the monthly newsletter, then peace. Right? Or maybe, maybe you've searched for it through possessions. Or, honey, if we just upgraded the house. If things just looked a little nicer, if things looked a little more like the, the neighborhood down the road, 
If we just got the cars, if we just got the phones, then, then my life would be fulfilled. God says here that if you desire peace, if you desire an abundant life, if you desire contentment, if you desire fulfillment, this is what you do. Don't forget his teaching. Keep his commandments. Where, where, are, my, uh, where are my students at going back to school? Students? All right, you've either started school. Who started school? Started school? Who's, who's going back to school this week? All right, so either you're there or you're about to be there, right? All right, and you're going to learn a bunch of new things. A bunch of new things. At least that's the, that's the intent of school, right? You're going to learn a bunch of new things, but I'm going to tell you a secret. You, you'll, you'll probably forget a lot of those things. So, some of those things you'll forget almost as quickly as you learn them, right? So I, I, took, uh, I took French in high school. All right, three semesters. It might have been four semesters. Whatever class where, like, the teacher is talking in French a little bit and the students are talking back, and, like, that's now how you converse, all right? I was in that class. You know how much uh, French I remember? Nada de eso, which means none of it in Spanish, all right? Zero French. There's no French in my vocabulary because I, I, my, my heart wasn't in it. My heart was not in learning the French language. Because you, you can learn things in such a way where you commit it to memory for, for a little while. Right? So you, so you, go, to, you go to class for the 15-week class, and you, you, you listen to all the lectures. You do the homework. You do the projects. You do the group projects. You do the papers. You stay up all night sometimes to study for tests. You get to the final exam. You finish the class. And, and then you, you never give pre-calc a second thought, right? You never put it into practice. But friends, there's, there's another way to learn. There's a better way to learn. A way in which what you've been taught, you, you don't forget. It doesn't go in one ear out the other, but it, it stays with you. It becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of how you function. So I, I don't care much about integrating pre-calc or, or French into my my day-to-day, but I do want to live a fulfilling life, and I do want to live a faithful life, a life faithful to God, and my guess is that because you're here too today that you want to live a faithful life, that you want a fulfilling life, and God tells us not to forget, forget his commandments, but look what he says. He says, keep my commandments. With your, with your heart, with your heart, keep my commandments. Friends, is your heart in this? Does God have your heart? Do you cherish his words, his commands, everything in this book with your heart? Because these are the words of your father who has your heart. And so countless people have read these words with their eyes and they've They've heard, they've been in the Sunday school classes and in the sermons, and they've heard these words with their ears. But the the words, God's word has never made it from their mind to their heart. Somewhere along the path from the mind to the heart, God's word, it it gets squashed out by by self-reliance, pride, 
in, in a day of, of TikTok and, and Instagram by, by self-absorption. God's word, before it makes it to their hearts, gets stomped out by sin. This was my story. Maybe this was your story too. Maybe, maybe you were raised in a Christian home. Maybe you went to, to all the, the, the church gatherings. But God's word, it, it never reached your heart. You were exposed to it. It never made its way from your mind to your heart. It never changed your life. It never changed your heart. It never changed your thinking, your behavior. Friends, if you want a fulfilling life, we've got to remember God's commands. Remember his teaching. But, but the, the command is not just to remember them with your mind, but to keep them with your heart. And you can't keep God's commands with your heart unless you love the God who gives us those commands. That's why the next two verses say this. Verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Maintain this persistent love, this faithfulness, this loyalty to God. A determined devotion. Bind them around your neck. Write those things on the tablet of your heart. And so I, I can't speak a word of French to you today because, because my heart was not in it. All right? I was not writing the French language on the tablet of my heart. But I, I, I was writing the pursuit of, of success. I was writing the pursuit of status, of, of acceptance, of popularity. Friends, what are you writing on your heart? What are you writing on your heart? If, if we could see your heart, what would we see on it written faithfulness and, and loyalty to God, a love for God, an undying love for your Father? Church, I think that God is asking you today, that if you've fallen out of love with his word, if you've fallen out of love with him, he's asking you to come back. A faithful life is a fulfilling life. And the first thing Proverbs 3 tells us to do is to remember God's commands. The next thing Proverbs tells us to do is rest in God's control. Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So if we want to live a faithful life, we have to rest in God's control. And so Pastor Greg St. Cyr, he came by a month ago or so, and he delivered an amazing message on uh, these first two verses here, five and six. So I, I won't spend a lot of time on them, but I, uh, I'll point out a couple things. The first thing is that God tells us not to lean on our own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Why would we lean on something? Right? Because, because we're tired. We lean on something to rest. Right? So you, you go for a two-mile run or, you, I don't know, play basketball or, or whatever it is, and you, you, you come back and you're exhausted, right? So you, what do you do? You lean on something. You lean on a fence, all right? You lean on a tailgate, 
an innocent bystander, all right, whatever, whatever it is, you, you lean on it, you, you rest because you're tired. But here, God says, do not lean, do not rest on your own understanding. Why? Because there's no rest in our own understanding. See, our, our understanding has been shaped by the world's understanding. Right? Our understanding has been, been shaped by, by the world's finite view, the, the things that we've heard on, on TV, the things that we've seen on the Internet, the, the things that we, we hear from people around us. It's shaped our understanding of how the world works, and it's, it's finite, it's limited. And some, some of those sources, they have ulterior motives and, and hidden agendas. Some of those sources are evil. And so we cannot find rest in their understanding of the world. And so, therefore, we cannot find rest in our understanding of the world. Friends, a restful life is a fulfilling life. Do you want a restful life? Do you long for rest? Do not lean on your own understanding. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Those are the commands. Here's, here's the picture that, that God paints for us. It says he will make straight your paths. In other words, he will protect you. He will guide you, give, give you this divine guidance, this divine protection. You can rest because you can trust in him who is in control. You can rest because of him who, who laid the path for you. The one who sees the path, the one who knows where the path is going, the one who knows what lies along the path, you can trust in him. Lean not on your own understanding. Notice really quickly what it doesn't say about the path. It doesn't say that there won't be bumps along the path. It doesn't say that sometimes the path will be a little harder to walk. It doesn't say that you'll always clearly see what's right in front of you along the path. That there won't be obstacles. It says it will be straight. Your paths will be straight. Just acknowledge Him and trust in Him and He will get you where you need to go. You don't need to know every obstacle. You don't need to know everything that lies along the path. But you need to know the one who created the path. And so uh, we, we have an 18-month-old at home. Uh, he was here, here for the first gathering, draining all the water out of the uh, water cooler out there on the table. Maybe you saw him. Um, if you clean that up, thank you. Um, but yeah, 18-month-old. And so 18-month-old, you get in the car with us. You still have to face, you know, the rear. You're rear-facing in the car seat. It's further protection it's all good, but you got to feel bad for the dude, right? Like, we go on trips, and all of us can see where we're going. We, we can see the stoplights. We can see the traffic up ahead. We can see when we arrive at our destination. We can see everything along the route to our destination. You know what, you know what Haddon sees? The, he, he sees the headrest. Right? He, sees the, he sees the car seat the entire ride. He's completely dependent on mom and dad to get him wherever it is that he's going. 
And Proverbs 3 is calling you to completely depend and trust on God to get you where you need to go. And inherent in that is that God knows where you need to go. Which is why Matthew 18, uh, in Matthew 18, Jesus is with his disciples and uh, some kids come along. And in, in the disciples' eyes, this is an interruption to, to what they're doing. It's an interruption to Jesus. And the kids come along and Jesus says to his disciple, no. He says, the kingdom of God belongs to children such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to children who trust in their father who depend on their father to get them where they need to go, even when all they can see is the the headrest. You do not need to see all that God sees. But thank God that the call for us today is not to trust in what we see. It's, It's to trust in the God who sees everything, who sees all, who knows all. Do not lean on your own understanding, but to trust in the one who sees everything. Rest in God's control. So so here we go, right? Like blind faith. Is that what we're talking about here? Right? Like Christianity, like uh, leave your brain at the door. You've probably heard the, the saying, right? Like faith, faith starts where knowledge ends. In other words, we're dumb. Is that that what faith is, like blind faith? Is that what we're called to? So we we have a three-year-old son, an accomplice in the water incident out there. And, uh, you know, he he goes on car rides with us, but he's got a little more life experience behind him, right? He's got a little more experience riding with mom and dad. So we, we can tell them where we're going. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't tell them where we're going, like Chick-fil-A play place. Like you, you keep that a surprise, right? You don't want to get emotions too high before you get there. Things, things will get a little squirrely, all right? So we might keep that a surprise. You know that what it doesn't do when we, we keep that from him? It doesn't send him into a panic. He doesn't freak out because he doesn't know where he's going. No, he stays calm. Until we get there. He's calm. Because he's had enough experience with mom and dad driving in the car that we've gotten him everywhere he's needed to go. Not once has he ended up at the wrong place. Not once has he been unsafe. And from what we've told him, that's what mommies and daddies do, right? Protect their kids. Get them where they need to go. He's not blindly trusting us. He's trusting us from experience. He's trusting our our word to him, which continues to prove to be true. And God calls you to trust in him, to trust in his guidance, to trust in his protection, to rest in his control. But faith in God is not blind faith. It's a daily dependence, a daily trust on God and His flawless record. And it's a trust in His Word that He's given to us that time and time again has proven to be true and will always prove to be true. 
That, my friends, is, is wisdom. To rest in God's control. To rest in God's control. So one day, if we're 85 years old or whatever it is, and we look back over our lives, and we want to say we, we've had a fulfilling life, then we, we need to have a faithful life. And to have a faithful life, Proverbs 3 says, we remember God's commands, we rest in God's control, and finally, we rely on God's care. We rely on God's care. Verse 9, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So one more time, God gives us these exhortations, these commands, do this, right? And he says, honor him with your wealth, your finances. And notice what it says here, right? It says the first fruits, all right? It doesn't say, like, after we've paid the mortgage, like, God, I'm going I'm to take it with the mortgage, the utilities, and the insurance, the babysitter, the, the coffee, all right? I'll handle that, and then you can, you can have the leftovers. You, you can take it from there, right? No, he says the first fruits. This would have made sense to the agrarian culture that this was uh, written to originally, right? They understood farming. Many of you understand farming, right? The first fruits of your produce. You'd harvest the crop. God, God would get the, the first fruits, the first part of the crop, the best part of the crop. And so God says, honor him with your finances. Notice he doesn't say how to do it either. doesn't say here how to do it. I don't know if they sent it to the, the, the temple or to the, the poor or the hungry or the, the orphan, the widows, but it does say honor God with your finances. And so I, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a home. We, we didn't have a lot of money. I, oftentimes we uh, very, very limited in what we, what we have. Money was pretty tight. And so like early on, I kind of I cringed uh, when I would read about money in the Bible. And, and Jesus speaks an awful lot about money in the Bible. And I'd cringe even more when, when I heard it, like a preacher talk about money from the pulpit. Now, now I'm up here sweating, talking to you guys about money. But I, I've come to realize that, that, that money's not really the issue for God. And stick with me because that sounds, it sounds a little strange. But money's not really the issue for God. God doesn't necessarily need our money. Right? Remember, God's people were in Egypt, the slaves in Egypt. He brought them out of slavery, brought them into the wilderness. He was going to send them to the promised land. And along the way, they were hungry. They started to doubt God. You know what God did? He, he rained down bread from heaven, manna. He didn't start a capital campaign to feed his children, right? He didn't, you know, host a canned food drive. God will provide for his children one way or the another. His mission will advance. His purpose will advance even if we don't give. God's major issue with money is not that he needs it as a resource. His primary concern with money is your heart towards money, or hearts towards money. Do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Even the part of your heart that's, that's concerned over your finances, that's concerned over our families, 
Do you acknowledge Him in all your ways? Even in the way we spend our paychecks? Do you lean on your own understanding? Our own understanding that's shaped by the world, a world that says it's yours, hold on to it. A world that says keep keep building your, your bank account. The more you have, the more satisfied you'll be. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then, and then God puts his arm around us once more after this command, and he paints the picture for us of a, a life that, that comes with honoring him with even our finances. He says, your barns, your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And I, I don't know what a vat is, all right? And I don't like the taste of wine, but it does sound pretty nice, all right? I, I, would, t- I would take a little homestead farm, right, maybe vineyard, all right? Sounds all right. But is this a simple, <laughs> is this a simple equation? Right? Honor God with your, your finances and you will be rich. Give to God and you will be rich, right? If you've a uh, if you've heard the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, that's what they would have you believe, right? Pastor or preacher would stand up behind the pulpit, thousand thread count suit, shiny shoes, gold cufflinks, and he says, give to the Lord and he'll make you rich. Meanwhile, he's, he's living in a $20 million house and you're broke. All right, because sometimes we, we know that we can give to the Lord and, and we won't be rich. So is this a lie? Is this promise of full barns and bursting vets, is it a lie? So growing up, I, I told you we didn't always have a lot of money. And one of those uh, times where we had very little money. We, we had, it was Christmas, and, and my parents, uh, they, they, did, they didn't buy us gifts. They, they couldn't buy us gifts. And so what they did instead, they, they gave us things that belonged to them. All right, and so uh, I, I wanted to um, learn guitar, and dad was a musician, so he had an old Fender acoustic guitar that uh, at one point in his life meant a lot to him, and, and he handed it down to me. And uh, you know, months after that, we were, he was teaching me how to play the guitar. I, can, can, I, can I tell you that in that moment, in that moment, I, I was content with what the Lord provided. I did not feel poor. I did not feel needy. Not by any means. My, my barns were filled with plenty. My vats were, were bursting with wine. Maybe it, looked, maybe it looked like we had little, but the Lord had blessed us with so much. The Lord gives you what you need. God provides for you, takes care of you, rely on His care. And so this, this raises an important question. What happens when it, it seems like he doesn't? When circumstances would seem to, to indicate that he isn't taking care of you. 
You honor the Lord with your finances and then you lose your job. You get evicted. You get foreclosed on. What, what happens? You acknowledge him and he will protect you. But what happens when you get sick? Where is his protection then? What happens when you get hurt? Keep his commandments and you will live a long, abundant life. But we all know people who have lived mightily for God and have died at a young age or have lived horrible lives with horrible things happening to them. What then? That's why he finishes with verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. See, the, the promises that are, are given to us in this passage, this beautiful picture that God paints for us of a, of a faithful life that results in a fulfilling life, it may not prove true in every instance in this world, in this fallen world, in this broken world, but they generally prove to be true. That's what we find in all of Proverbs. General truths. Do this and generally this will happen. But in the instances where they don't happen, we have to remember that ultimately every last one of them will prove to be true. Every blessing promised in this book will prove to be true. Jesus will come back for those who have surrendered their lives to him. And from then on out, every blessing that God promises we lavished upon them. But even the bad, even the bad that happens on, on this side of eternity, it's not purposeless. God has a purpose for even the bad things. And the purpose is not to beat you down. Right? The, the purpose is not for, to, to show just how disappointed he is in you. Or that he's forgotten you. Or that, that he hates you. Now, even our struggles are used for good. In Romans 8, 28, you've probably heard this verse. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for, the, for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't despise his reproof. Be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. Because God's got a, a, bigger, a bigger purpose for our lives than our, our comfort and our, and our success. He's got a bigger purpose. He, he wants to change us into the likeness of, of his son Jesus to give us that same character. So, so like one day, when, when we reach 85 or whatever it is, and we look back on our lives, we, we can see just how far God's gotten us from well before we were Christians to the moment we surrendered our lives to Jesus till now. How different we are. How changed we are. He disciplines those whom he delights in. And can we just think about that for a minute? God delights in his children. 
If, if, if you've surrendered your life to God and you're in God's family, you're his child, he delights in you. And so because he, he delights in you, he doesn't stand back with, with his arms crossed and a scowl on his face watching you mess up your life. No, he steps in. He, he disciplines those whom he delights in. He disciplines them to keep their path straight, to keep them on the straight path that he's laid out for them. And notice it doesn't say that he, he delights in the discipline either. It says he delights in you. Friends, remember God's commands. Rest in God's control. Rely on God's care. Do these three simple things perfectly. You'll have a fulfilled life. All right. Three simple steps. You've earned it, it's yours, right? There's existed only, only one man who ever deserved a fulfilling life. There's existed one man who remembered all of his father's commandments, who, who lived in perfect obedience to his father. There was only one man who, who rested perfectly in his father's control, acknowledging him in all his ways. There was only one man who relied perfectly on his father's care, honoring him with everything he had, including his own life. There's only one man deserving of all the blessings in this book, all the promises in this book. And that man, Jesus, gave up his life so that, that ours could be fulfilled. It's in Jesus that we have a fulfilling life. Only in faith in Jesus. God is a God that's, that's faithful to his children. The call today is will you live a life that's faithful to him? Will you live a life that is faithful to him? A faithful life is a fulfilling life. Let's pray. Father, Father, we love you and we, we praise you this morning. Father, that you've made a way for us to become your children. And Father, that you take care of your children, that you love your children, that you, that you have the path for our lives laid out. And thank you that we don't have to worry, we don't have to stress about what's ahead. Father, you see what's ahead. You know what's ahead. You've planned what's ahead, Father. And even if there's obstacles, even if things don't look good, Father, we know that it's in your control, Father. So I pray that you help us to rest in your control, to rest in your goodness. The goodness of a loving Father who takes care of his children. I pray that you soften our hearts to that truth that we leave here today trusting more in you and, and, and tomorrow we trust more in you and the day after and the day after that we would live lives that just depend on you, Father, knowing that we can do nothing in our own strength, Father. But in yours we can. 
We trust in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.